You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Welcome to the month of June. Can we celebrate Jesus? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I still remember crossover service, you know, and that was five long months ago, right? And now we are here. It's amazing. And it could only have been God. Or could we just bow our heads as we give him thanks? Father, we just want to thank you because you are awesome. We thank you because you are good. We thank you because you are faithful. We thank you for everything you've done. You've brought us through from January to February to March to April to May. And now we stand confident and tall in June. Lord, you are almighty. Be thou exalted, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Thank you for the battles you've won. Thank you for the victories you've won. Thank you for the times we cried and you were there. Thank you for the times we didn't know what to do and you provided guidance and direction. Lord, we bless you. Thank you for the times when it seemed our heart despaired and you gave us joy. Lord, we honor you. Be thou exalted, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we commit this time of your word and we ask it. We ask that you take absolute control. We ask that you would speak to us. Hebrews says that your word is alive. It is living and it is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, Lord, I ask that your word will pierce through our spirits and our souls. It will reveal the innermost thoughts of our hearts. It would give us you know, a foundation for this month and for the rest of the year. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you because in this month we decree fullness, we decree wholeness, we decree that your blessings upon us are multiplying. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you for awesome testimonies. Thank you for breakthroughs that we couldn't have imagined. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Praise God. Could we celebrate Dami for that awesome God experience? I'm, I'm still like, like, like God, what? <laughs> that's amazing. And that's what God does. He does over and above what we can think of or imagine. We just thank God for that. Praise God. So in the month of June, we'll be looking at a new theme. That theme is stronger, stronger together, stronger in communities. And so I beg us to try to be around Sundays and Wednesdays. Because in 2018, like we all know, the theme for the Elevation Churches is um, stronger. And this is important. It's important that we strengthen ourselves in communities. It's important that we strengthen the relationships that God brings us into. Amen. Praise God. So today we look at stronger together. Um, when I was thinking about this, God reminded me of, um, so you, you, you all know I like to watch TV, right? So, <laughs> so I, I remember the TV program I used to watch when I was little, probably 10, you know, then it was just NTA, we didn't have DSTVs and, and the likes, so, you know, you have those few programs that, you know, you kind of take a liking to. And it used to come up on Sundays, Sunday evenings, and it was called Tales by Moonlight. <laughs> and myself and my siblings would gather around and we would really watch it intently. Now, I don't even know why I remember this story so much. But I did because, maybe because I had this younger brother who was always annoying me. You know, so <laughs> this story kind of stuck. So it was a story, I mean, Tales by Moonlight, the way it goes is an adult telling a story to children. And um, the story will be acted out quite well. So we enjoyed it. So this particular story... 
um, was about a man who had three sons. And um, the, the sons never saw eye to eye. So they were always at each other's throat. They just never were able to unite and do anything meaningful. They were always quarreling, always fighting. You know, and it bothered him so much, you know. And so one day, as he was about to die, you know, he, he calls his three sons together and asks them to, you know, he has a broom, a bundle, and, you know, he picks out three broomsticks and he gives to each of them and asks them to break it. And without, without batting an eyelid so easily, they each, you know, break the broomstick and, and that is it. Um, <clears throat> but then he gives them the entire bundle and says, okay, so break the entire bundle. And they all struggle from the oldest to the youngest. They all struggle. You know, and then he tells them, you know, that is the power of unity. Individually, each of those broomsticks, you broke without, you know, without even having to apply any strength. But now together as a bundle, you are unable to break that broom. And that is what, I know that story, he said, I want to leave that with you as I leave the earth. You know, you need to work together. Together you are unstoppable. Together you do great things. Together you are awesome. And, you know, and that was how he died, you know, and that ended the quarrel for the three sons. So I use that as an opener for our discussion today. By the way, my apologies, Pia is not the one preaching, so I hope you're not too disappointed. You have to listen to the other bellows I gave today. Amen. <laughs> okay, so, um, so that story, like I said, I'm, I'm surprised I even remember it, but like I said, maybe because I had this younger brother who was you know, touching on my nerves. I'm like, ah, okay, we need to be united. We need to be united. So I remember. Now, when we, when companies are setting up, you know, and they're putting, a company is about to start up, you know, so they're looking for locations, they're taking care of aesthetics, putting things together, you know, signing agreements, contracts and all. One thing a company likes to also do is to also define its policies, it's define its governance structure, define um, the culture. They, they want to be able to say this is the heart and mind of this company. So when we hire staff and we train them, we want them to understand this is how we behave. This is how this company wants to show up in the market. So we don't really care what company X, Y, and Z is doing, but for us here, this is our policy. This is our modus operandi, as it were. And so, learn this, imbibe this culture, and act like this when you represent us, you know. So, it's an important thing for companies to do. So, I feel like when God started off in Genesis, and Genesis is, means the beginning, he started by, you know, trying to define for my children what the modus operandi in my kingdom is, what are the things that would guarantee you success in my kingdom? What are the things you would do that would help you get to the top, as it were, in my kingdom? What are the things you would do that, you know, when you do that, you represent me and I am pleased? And one of those things is unity, is unity. When I read through Genesis 1, and it says in the beginning, Genesis 1, 1, it says in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, you know, God, singular God, God, singular God. And it went on up until verse 26, and God made the moon and the stars and, you know, the firmaments. God created the birds that fly and the fishes that would stay in the, you know, sea and all of that. It kept going God, God, God. 
until he got to verse 26, Genesis 1, 26. And there, I feel like God paused, you know, and said, okay, I'm about to set in motion my biggest invention, my biggest creation. And at that point in Genesis 1, 6, he says what? Let us, the power of us comes into force. It was no longer, and God created man. No, it was, let us make man in our own image and likeness. His biggest invention, his biggest creation, the creation that would carry his image, carry his power, carry his anointing. He says, let us make man. You know, and I was like, okay, this is important. And what is the lesson there? The way the phrase came to me as I prepared was, when you think of big dreams, think of big relationships. When you think of big dreams, think of big relationships. The modus operandi in God's kingdom is an us one. Let us make man. Let us, let us, let us. And it's very powerful because prior to that, it was a singular and God made and God made and God made. Amen. Are we together? Am I too serious? Okay, so we keep going. So this is God trying to set up the modus operandi as it were for his company and this is Genesis 1 very, the very beginning he says I want to set these ground rules and then we move on to Genesis 11 and I feel like God is saying okay Genesis 11 I think I need to also underscore this point of unity and togetherness for my children and so let me throw in a story and the caption of that story is the tower of Babel, the tower of Babel. so join me as we read Genesis 11 1 to 8 if you have your Bible, please um, turn over to Genesis 11. We'll read 1 to 8, or you could just follow the screen. So he says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass that as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Sina, and they dwelt there. Then they came to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they, have all, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. So in verse 7, it says, Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building that city. Another interesting scripture that I think God intentionally puts again in the beginning, the book of Genesis, so we understand the power of this us. He goes us. In the, in the place of us, there is, there is, there is something you know, that, that gets, God, gets God's attention. You know, as I read it, the phrase again that came to my mind is every time there is a let us going on, it gets God's attention. Every time there is a let us going on, it gets God's attention. It gets God's attention. 
No, so these were people of the earth. The Hawaiians, you know, the boys and the girls of the earth at that time. And they decide that ah, we don't want to be scattered abroad. We don't want our legacy and our lineage to disappear. And let us therefore build us a city and a tower that will reach heaven. It doesn't even really strike me how building a tower that will reach heaven will help preserve your lineage and um, <laughs> preserve your lineage and your, your dynasty as it were. It, it, it's not clear to me how this is a solution. But you see, that doesn't really matter, right? It was the principle that they were operating with. And it was as if God came and says, oh, wait, they have one language, check. They're united in purpose and driven together, check. Ha uh ha, -huh. there's a problem here. <laughs> with these two checks met, nothing that these guys intend to do, however foolish, will be, un will be impossible for them. And so in verse 7, God says, where is my own letters? Where is my letters? Let's go. We need to go down and stop this. We need to quash this immediately because these guys are onto something and nothing that they propose to do will be unstoppable to them because of what? Unity. So let me ask, help me ask your neighbor, where is your letters? Where is your letter? Who are your, who are your letters team? Who are, you, who are those in your letters team? You know, because when the letters of our year boys and girls were trying to build a tower that reached heaven, God also had to show up with his own letters and say, nah, -uh, we are ending this. And that was what ended the building of that tower. And then it occurred to me how that, how <clears throat> the devil might just be killing relationships Killing those letters, relationships, and stopping us from achieving the things God had planned and proposed for our lives. And as we think about this, you know, as I prepared and I thought about and I said, wow, what are those relationships that God had intended to be in your letters camp? The letters camp that would achieve great things. The letters camp that would do awesome things. That for some reason or the other, you've allowed offense, you've allowed um, division, you've allowed quarrels to prematurely end. I trust God that as we go through this series, there will be restoration. There will be healing of all God-ordained relationships because the modus operandi in this kingdom that you and I are part of, to excel, to do great things, you have to have your camp of let us When, Like I said earlier, when God would, would bring onto this earth his biggest, greatest invention, man, you and I, he didn't say, I did it. He says, where is my let us team? Let us make man in our image and likeness. Praise God. And so it's, it's not lost on me how that with all of these foundations that God has laid, you know, in trying to help us understand the modus operandi in his kingdom, that a whole chapter in the Psalms, Psalms 133, will be dedicated to the concept of unity, of harmony, of togetherness. And permit me to read this from the message translation. Like I said, if, you, if it's on the screen, follow. If you have the versions, follow. Otherwise, just listen to me. So Psalms 133 says, How wonderful and how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It is like costly anointing oil flowing down the head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It is like the dew on Mount, Mount Haman flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that is where God commands the blessing and ordains eternal life. So in the place of unity, God commands what? A blessing. In the place of unity, there is an overflow. 
It didn't just say anointing oil. It says costly anointing oil. And we know what the anointing oil represents. It, rep it, re it represents the grace of God, the ability of God to do something, the presence of God upon a matter or upon a human being. You know, and it says every time there is unity, that anointing oil begins to flow. And it doesn't even stop at the head. It begins to flow from the head to the beard to the shoulders. It just flows unhindered. Because of what? Unity. And it says, in that place, I'm commanding what? My blessing. Your company is important, brethren. Your company is important. Isolation is dangerous. Isolation is dangerous. It is not the way to operate in life. That is not how God has designed it. He's a lettuce kind of God. Because in the lettuce mode, we multiply our effort. We multiply results. It's about one chasing a thousand. And two doesn't even chase 2,000. It's not an arithmetical progression. Oh, two chase, add another 1,000. No. It talks about two chasing what? 10,000. It's magnified when we come together. And it says, in that place of unity, I command what? My blessing. I command my blessing. And so as we look at this topic of stronger together, our relationships are a critical path a critical component of our being everything and achieving everything that God has designed for us. When Dami spoke about, um, when Dami spoke and gave his God experience, he's, he spoke to how when his mom was ill, people who gathered, who were praying, who were holding his hands, who were supporting. Do you have your own support structure? Or are you doing, are you going solo? Maybe sole proprietorship, that's the kind of company you are setting up, the company of your life, of you and you alone, you, I, and more you. Yeah, you, I, and more you. You know, it's dangerous. It is dangerous because your company is important and isolation is dangerous. When a lion wakes up in the morning, he doesn't have to chase the entire herd of deers and donkeys. No, he's looking for that lone one who, when everybody's going together, he's moving back. Yeah, I don't like, I don't like my brother. Let me just be staying here. You know, when everybody's going together, he's, you know, drawn back. He's looking for that lone prey because when you are alone, he can attack you. When that herd is moving fast, he knows he has stands no chance, regardless of his power. You know, so it's important that we stay connected. A beautiful life is a connected life. Praise God. So help me tell your neighbor, a beautiful life is a connected life. It's very important. Very important. So let us look quickly at some of the communities that God has put us in. And the first community, the first, we start out life in communities. And the first community is the family unit. The family unit is our first community. Psalms 68 verse 6 says, God sets the solitary in families. Amen? God sets the solitary in families. Now, <clears throat> when I look at family, I, I kind of marvel at the... God does have a sense of humor. Because <clears throat> the way... Psalms 68 verse 6. The way I see it, is he's decided, well, you know, if, if Ogo would come to this life and decide not to form a community, let me help her life and destiny by first putting her in a family, you know. At least, even if she decides to go solo, you know, she starts with a family that she didn't choose. Because this community, this first community that we have, the family unit, is one that we don't choose. God actually puts us in families. So God chooses our families for us. So I feel like he's decided, you know, even if I won't make my own choices 
I may decide to go solo, I will help you by first of all putting you in a family. So the family unit is our first community and it's one chosen for us by God. It's one chosen for us by God. Unfortunately, it is one community we tend to take for granted. It's one community that we are very easy to walk away from if things don't you know, go as we planned. You know, sometimes, and it's not lost on me how in some families the feud and the tension can be, can be intense. And sometimes the easiest thing to do is to walk away and abandon ship. You know, but this is the community God has chosen for you. And so your first response to challenges and to issues shouldn't be to abandon ship and walk away, to disconnect. That shouldn't be your first response. You know, we look at Cain and Abel and when jealousy overtook Cain, and he killed his brother. And he thought, yeah, now I can show up before God. The first question God asked him is, Cain, where is your what? Brother. So let me ask your neighbor, where is your brother? Where is your brother? Where is your sister? Where is your brother? Where is your sister? You know, when we do counseling, especially marriage counseling, we would say to the lady, just watch the space. Watch how he relates with his siblings, with his mom, with his sisters. Because now you are feeling like, ah, well, he doesn't really care for them. But for me, ah, I'm the queen of his heart. Uh, he worships the ground I walk on. It's all good. But you see, when you move from being girlfriend to wife and you become family, it's very unlikely that he will treat you any different, right? So in counseling, we will say, watch that space. Watch that family space. Because many times, the quality of our relationships in this first community that God has given us, the family unit, it seeps through to other communities and other relationships that we eventually build. So this is very important. So I want to tell someone there is purpose for you in your family. Don't give up yet. There's a reason God planted you in that family. There's a reason he chose you to be there. Look for it. Fight for it. And trust him to help you cultivate that purpose and that relationship. Joseph had every reason to consider his brothers dead to him. Every reason. They sold him, you know, to slavery. In fact, they wanted to kill him, save for the intervention of one of his brothers. He had every reason. But you see, you cannot say you love God and lift up holy hands, but hate humans that you can see face to face. You can't walk up to me and say, oh, I want to be your friend. But you say, oh, those are your children. I just hate them. You know, I, I just hate them. Because that's what we do. We lift up only and say, oh, God, I love you. You are the center of my world. But that lady, ah, I can't stand her. I can't stand her. You know, and he's looking like, okay, but she's my child too. You know, so how can you say you love me but hate my own child? It won't work. You know, in First John 4, it actually says, we call ourselves liars if we say we love God. But we cannot love the woman or the man that we can see with our own eyes. How do we love God that we don't even see? So even in that tensed family relationship, there is grace for you. God wants you to show up there. And that is your test of spirituality. Every time we pray and say, God, make, reduce me to love. That is your testing ground. Reduce me to love. Help me love more. That is your testing ground. So I want to speak to somebody who is struggling in the family space. Please, please, don't give up yet. There is purpose for you in your families. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for a time of adversity. Your family is your first line of defense. 
when things don't go as you plan, your family is your first line of defense. I mean, Dami again spoke to how God told him, your mother needs you. You know, God doesn't joke with families. When Moses was, on the, was, was, was taking hold of, of assignments from God, I'm like, God, I can't speak. This one you're sending me to the Israelites, I can't speak. And he says, don't worry, where is your brother? Aaron, hmm. help Moses. God immediately reached out for his brother, you know, to help him. So fight for that relationship because your family is your first line of defense. I remember my, uh, my husband's family, his sister one day, she, I, I can't remember the occasion and why, she just put up pictures of her siblings and said, ah, um, do anything to these ones and you will see the tiger in me. I thought, oh, that's so sweet. You know, <laughs> that was so sweet. But then I can see how because, I mean, within their family, they, they would, within a year, try to meet up at each person's house and they would have a shed and you would host, you know, the, the rest of the family, host, I mean, their immediate family, the children, spouses and all. You know, I mean, we hosted in December. It was just a beautiful time. You know, family, almost 15, 20 people in that same house, just eating, laughing, teasing everyone. You know, it's just a beautiful time. And I can see how when there is unity, God actually just commands his presence, commands his anointing. There is a flow from the head straight down to the collar. Praise God. The next community we will look at are the social communities. Now, we've left the community that God chooses for us, right? And now we're in the community where we are the, we are the HR, you know, we are the ones choosing. We are the ones who set the criteria. We are the ones who choose. So your social relationships, relationships at work, relationships, friends from work, school, clubs, whatever the social gathering is. So this is one you select yourself. And the question is, so how are you choosing? Or are you even choosing at all? Maybe you started to go solo. Are you choosing at all? No. I want, you to I want us to understand that friends are so important. Friends are so important. Don't underestimate the impact of your friends. Friends are a powerful blessing. They are a powerful blessing. Because see, the right company and the right friend can preserve your faith, preserve your hope, preserve your life, as it were. And in the converse, the wrong friends... The wrong social communities can set you back, can, can destroy everything it were, as it were that God has been building and planning for your life. So do not underestimate the impact your friends and your social communities are having on you. Don't. Um, I remember when I said, you know, 2013, I started, you know, running just to lose weight, to keep fit, to be healthy. You know, and all that. Again, it was a friend who introduced me to a group of ladies who were doing so. And by 2015, I had run my first marathon. And I thought, you know, somebody asked me, well, how did you get into this? I said, if you asked me 10 years ago, it was, it was not in a five-year plan. It was not in a 10-year plan. I didn't even know that there's anything called what? Marathons. That are human beings undertake that. It, it just, it never crossed my radar in all of my years of living. But there I was in the company of women who were doing that. And I thought, ah, okay, maybe I can try. Just maybe I can try. So that is how the company you keep rubs off on you, intentionally or unintentionally. It rubs off. 
It rubs off. And as we look at this team, Stronger Together, can you begin to do an audit of your relationship and the impact or non-impact these relationships are having on you? What are they generating? What are the fruits of this, your friendships, of these, your connections, of these, your circles of friends? What are the fruits? What are the fruits? Are they fruits you are proud of? Are they fruits you think God himself will be proud of? You know, because many of the things we've, done and not done has been on the backbone of the friendships and the relationships we've kept. You know, where I work today, some of the promotions I've gotten has been, I've been friends who said, I saw this and I think you can do it. You know, things like that. So what are the fruits of those relationships that you are involved in? How are they rubbing off on you? You know, because you can't want to be an eagle and then roll with chickens. You know, you can't. It's, it's, it's the law of life. That's why, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. If they want to deceive you, at least don't deceive yourself. This is not a prophecy. This is actual life. This is how it will happen. Evil company will do what? Corrupt good manners. Fact. Check. Fact. Do not be deceived. You know, you don't even have to plan. Yeah, no, no, no. They just move with them. Shall I just move with them. Nothing they're doing is touching me here. It's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. It's a lie. Because <laughs> unintentionally, the decisions you make will be colored by, ah, what do my friends think? How do they view this? Unintentionally, you know, unintentionally. So do not be deceived. Evil communication will corrupt good manners. In the same vein, iron would sharpen iron. That's Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpened what? Iron. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Again, this is not prophecy. It is what? Fact. So we cannot afford to play with the relationships that we decide to choose for ourselves. We cannot afford to play with these relationships. Amen. And then the last community I want to speak to this morning is the church community. The church community. You see, the church community is, is such an important one in our lives. Because this is a family of God. A family of sinners who have been saved by grace. So a family that pretty much God has put together. Saved them from the kingdom of darkness. Translated them into the kingdom of light. And I make a family. Your church family. If you would join me to read Ephesians 1.5. Just quickly. Ephesians 1.5. It says, God decided in advance. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do. And he gave him pleasure. Praise God. God decided to, of himself to adopt us into his own family. So this is a family of people who have been bought by the blood. People who have been redeemed by the blood. A family where the Father is God. Where our brothers, we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. It's such an important family. And one that we should seek to belong to with all of our hearts. You know, the way, the analogy given in First Corinthians about this church family is a body. It's a body. It's a body. It's a body. It's a body. A body just like the human body. And it talks about how we are all different, you know, but yet one family. How we are all many, but yet one body. So imagine a hand cut off from the body. 
you know, look at the human body. So many parts, internal and external. So imagine a hand cut off. It would only live for a little while before it dies and what shrivels. And that is how God speaks again to please be joined up to the body. Please be joined up to the body. You are one. You are many. You are different. You, have, you are coming from different places. But together you are a force. Together I command my blessings. In that place of unity, there is the flow of my presence and anointing. And God again asks us, look for that church community and be joined up. Now, so there's a concept of circles as it relates to our church community. Because we recognize that not all of us are at the same place when it comes to this church family, right? Not all of us are at the same place. And so the outer circles, you start with the community. So this is Life Point Church. We're in the Lekki area, the Lekki community. So in this congregation, there may be people who step in maybe once a year. Christmas, ah, let's go and thank God. Or maybe more, more like New Year. Let's go and thank God. Ah, ah, ah. It's a New Year community. When you meet them outside, they'll say, ah, what church? Ah, Life Point me now. I attend Life Point. Ah, you know, I'm a Life Pointer. You know, but they are in a community. You know, they just show up probably once a year. You know, and so they're in the outer circle. But you take a step forward. There are people who form the crowd. You know, the crowd. Now, the crowd, just probably you know, a few more times more than those who are in the community circle. Uh, maybe uh, every quarter, at least. Let's give God thanks for the new quarter. So I'm in the, I'm in the crowd. I'm in the crowd. I mean, I come to church, you know, April, June, like that, like that. Four times a year, I try, you know. What church? A life pointer all the way, you know. <laughs> that is the crowd, yeah. But there are those who take a step forward again and are in the congregation. So probably showing up every Sunday, but that's all they do. They come in every Sunday. They are counted as, oh, when we say the attendance was X, Y, Z, they are then the number. But that is all. After the message is done, doors are open. They grab their bags and they walk out, you know. I'm done with church for the week. I've tried, you know. I've, I've met my quota. At least I'm in the congregation. You know, I'm hearing what they're saying, but that is all. I'm just hearing. It's not doing anything to me. I'm not involved. I'm just hearing. I'm in the congregation. And then we step into the inner circles of the committed. So those who we ask, so what are the units in church? I can do this. How can I help? Uh, I can help control traffic or I can join counseling or small groups. Ah, I can lead a small groups, a small group of dancers. You know, they step forth from congregation and taking the next step to be what? Committed to church. And then lastly, at the center, we have the core. The core are those, the leaders, the ministers, the pastors, those who actually, you know, are the backbone for church. Now, in those two circles, committed and core, is where we see Psalm 133 come to pass. Because it is in that space that we see unity. We see commitment to a purpose. We see a group of people who have decided, I would not just stay in the flanges. I would not just be in the crowd or be in the congregation. I would do more. I will be more. And I would allow this community into my life. For everyone who has stepped into the core and committed circles, um, you would know that the church community is one that, has, that, that plays and will continue to play an immense part of our lives. 
when I think about the challenges I've been through at different stages of my life, I, I can't but smile at how church has been a solid defense because I had chosen to step into the committed and the core circles. Because I had chosen to step into the committed and the core circles. And I know that my story is not, is not, is, um, is not, it's not just mine. I know it's the experience of everyone who has chosen to step into the committed and core circles. You open yourself to a relationship that actually brings beauty to your life. A relationship that actually brings beauty to your life. The truth is you cannot progress in your knowledge of God without this church community. But that happens when you step into the inner circles. And the core does have beauty. Because you see, when you are in the core, you find protection. When you are in the core, you find protection. It is smarter to travel in groups. Life principle. It is smarter to travel in groups. Don't travel alone. Don't have a community that holds so much potential and yet you sit in the flanges. You sit in the congregation. You sit in the crowd or in the community. I call you out this morning to step into the committed. Step into the core. Travel in groups. When you are together, there is protection. When you are together, there is protection. At that core and committed circles, you find accelerated, accelerated growth. There are resources beyond your imagination. There are resources beyond your imagination. For those who have stepped into those circles, they found mentorship relationships. Yes? Yep. Yeah? Found mentorship relation relationships. They found friends who have become like brothers. Yep. Yeah? Found friends who have become like brothers. Friends they can call up at 12 midnight. Again, from the friendship circle, church community. And they can pray together. They can share together. They can fight battles together. There is accelerated growth when you step into that core. And so my challenge to us this morning as I bring this to a close is do not do life alone. Do not do life alone. We are stronger together. The God we serve is a let us God. Let us God. I know we're in a world where it seems, you know, there's this glorified uh, there's this glorified drive to, to, be, to be all I am. You know, I'm great. I am awesome. There's this I thing. You know, I and I and more eyes. You know. But everyone who does great things, Ronaldo plays and he scores the goals, but there's someone who passes him a ball. Yeah? There's somebody who passes him a ball. He can't do it alone. Every time a Nadal or a Federer or a Serena Williams would celebrate a, another Grand Slam victory, they would what, say, I want to thank what? my team. Because they know that to achieve victory, they have to have a coach who was good, had to have doctors who were excellent, had to also have psychologists who would speak to them when they wanted to put themselves down with their own thoughts. Yeah? So every winner has a team. Every winner has a team. Who is in your let us camp? Who is in your let us camp? Can we stand to our feet? I, I want you to just begin to bring yourself before God. Don't do life alone. Your biggest dreams and aspirations will be achieved on the backbone of strong, powerful relationships. 
alone you may go fast, but with others you go far. Alone you may go fast, but with others you go far. So I, I want us to begin to, you know, open our hearts before God. You are in the presence of God who knows you through and through. Who knows your heart? Who knows how that you may have struggled with disappointments in relationships? And so you just say, you know what? I'm not trying again. I'm going to lock up. I'm just going to do my own thing. Nobody will have access to my heart anymore. I will no longer be vulnerable like this because you've been hurt. But I beg you to try again. Because Joseph could have done the same. But he realized that the fullness of, of the blessing of God upon his life would come with forgiveness. So somebody has to begin to forgive in this place. I'm going to say, God, I'm ready to open up again to relationships. Send me my Jonathan. David had a Jonathan, that friend that stuck closer than a brother. Who was ready to lay down his life for his friend. I want you to begin to pray about your relationships. Be intentional about them. Because they are a success impute in your life. They are success impute in your life. You need people. You need people. You need people. The same way you pray about opportunities, you pray for favor. Pray for people. Pray for people. Pray in your us. Pray in your us. And for that person who, who has been in a family where it appears that, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just one level of turmoil and, and, and argument and, and pain after another. And so you've disconnected. You are there, but you've disconnected. You are there, but you've disconnected. As I prayed and I, I, I felt like God is saying, I want to bring someone back home. God is saying, come back home. 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 And as we pray this morning over our relationships, the Bible says the same spirit who raised up Jesus from the dead is at work in our lives. And I like us, I just one short prayer point. I like us to just pray over our relationships. I like us to pray in the spirit over our relationships. I trust in God for a release of energy, of power that God will resurrect. For someone who Pierre was talking about families and someone God, God needs to resurrect something in the relationships in families, in your family. Someone is at work. Someone is at church. But I'd like us to, if you can, just pray in the spirit. If you don't pray in the spirit, it's you just spending one or two focused minutes where you are just looking to God and saying, Father, let that power that raised Jesus from the dead, Lord, let it, let it restore my relationship with Kunle. Let it restore my relationship with Uncle Boyega. Let it restore my relationship with Felix. It might be a relationship with a husband. But all around, someone you're standing in the midst of a battle. There are broken relationships everywhere. As a father you don't call, as a sister you can't look in the eye, it's a friend who's left you. And God, the same, raised up Jesus from the dead. So let's do the church. Just pray in the spirit. With divine intent. 
And we're declaring the power that raised up Jesus from the dead. Let bone be bone joined unto bone. Let there be renewal of muscle and flesh upon the structures. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lastly, would you please hold the hands of the person next to you? Your prayer this morning is very simple. But my brother, my sister will not walk alone. They will not run life alone. It doesn't matter what image they project on the outside. But that they will find connections that God ordained for them in this life. That they will find, Peter was talking about how David will find Jonathan, that Paul will find Silas. I like us to just pray whether they need a mentor, whether they need a teacher, whether they need a father, whether they need a pastor, whether they need a spouse, whether they need a son, I don't know what it is. But would you join faith with us this morning and agree and declare in the name of the Lord Jesus that as God said, it is not good for man to be alone. We declare in this house today a restoration of relationships in the name of the Lord Jesus that we are stronger together I'd like you to declare that if there is in any way that the devil is trying to isolate your brother into a corner that they will become meat for him let us declare that those plans are shattered today in the name of the Lord Jesus Although I was saying big goals, big dreams, big relationships. Let us call big relationships. Big relationships. Big relationships. Relationships that are beyond casual. Relationships that bet the, the destiny that God has ordained. Hey, Paul says God strengthened and comforted me with the coming of titles or Timothy. Ask that God will bring it will bring comfort into their lives. table this Lord's day Jesus would say look this is my body that's broken for you and one of the things that the body of Christ his physical body was broken for us was so that we are admitted into the body of Christ one of the reasons why Jesus's physical body is broken for us is so that we are admitted to the body of Christ there is such power being in the body of Christ there is such power there is cover 
and in the body of Christ. There is healing in the body of Christ. It says one shall chase a thousand and two will chase ten thousand. There is speed in the body of Christ. His blood was shed on our behalf. That we've received forgiveness of sins. The Bible says... Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.